Here's Pastor Steve Converse to begin today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. This is something that is not our idea. It's not like, you know, they were Adam and Eve were just sitting around one day and saying, hey, let's, you know, let's start praying. Let's start talking to God. No, this is God's idea. God invented prayer. God wants to have communion, fellowship, communication with us. And the more we have it, the stronger our relationship grows. Our prayer life really is a challenge, isn't it? And we can go through all the motions, go through all the preparation, but at the end of the day, we still fall short when it comes to our prayer life. Well, that's what this series is all about. It's all on prayer. We would invite you to join us today as we take a look at what our prayer life should be and what God expects it to be and the tools and the grace that he gives for us to do just that, seek and pray after him. So please join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, now from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Here once again is Pastor Steve Converse. William Barclay, in one of his commentaries on Matthew, he points out a number of things that crept into the Jewish prayer life that basically drew it away from what God intended it to be. The first thing he said... Basically, prayer became ritualized. It became ritualized. The wording and the forms of prayer were set. The rabbinical teacher said, okay, if you have this problem, then you need to pray this prayer. Well, the second fault, he said, not only did they become ritualized, but he goes on and he says, the second fault that crept into the Jewish prayer life was the development of prescribed prayers for every object and every occasion. I kind of already touched on that. But they had a prayer for everything. The third fault he mentioned was the practice of limiting prayer to specific times and occasions. In other words, you weren't encouraged to pray all the time like we are in the New Testament. You just prayed at certain times. There's nothing wrong with having certain times to pray. I'm not saying that, but it's more of an attitude. When you understand what prayer is, it's an attitude that you have before God. The fourth fault he said was that they esteemed long prayers. They believed that a prayer's sanctity and effectiveness were a direct proportion to its length. (laughs) So the longer you prayed, the more you were, God would appreciate and maybe give you an answer. Wouldn't you like to be in some of their prayer meetings? See, a long prayer, on the other hand, is not necessarily an insincere prayer. There's a lot of occasions in the Bible where uh, people pray for a long time. But when you're doing it for appearance sake, or when you're doing it just to get something from God, that's, that's faulty. Fifth faulty mentioned in the Jewish prayer life, and it was singled out here in verse 7, that there was this meaningless repetition patterned after what the pagans used to do. And you stop and you remember Elijah on Mount Carmel when he, uh, the, the prophets, they, they called out on their pagan god Baal. And it says they called out from morning until noon. And they said the same thing over, O Baal, answer us. Over and over and over and over. And their God never responded. See, in the Jews of Jesus' day, they began to kind of use that kind of a repetitious thing. We're going to talk about what that word means when we get to it. And they just thought, well, the more we say it, then God will answer. It's almost like he didn't hear us the first time. And then it was almost like a competition. You can see how that would turn into, you know, who's praying the longest, who's using the most repetitions, who's praying for what. And, you know, you had all this kind of garbage going on in the name of prayer. But by far worse of all, what he pointed out was the one thing that, that, that was worse than any of the things that we mentioned was that they used prayer as a means of building themselves up. 
their self-righteousness. So their whole purpose in praying wasn't to address God, but their whole purpose in praying was to be seen and to be heard by other people, especially their fellow Jews, so they could look at them and say, oh, you know, look at how religious that person is. And we see that over and over again with their religious practices. And it was all about their glory, and it was taking away from the glory that God desired through their prayer. And so he says, when you pray, because you're going to pray as believers, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites. Prayer that focuses on self is always hypocritical. Does that mean you don't pray for your own needs? No. There's a time for that. There's a place for that. But if that's all you're praying for, you know, if you're not spending time in just adoration and, and praise and worshiping God, that's prayer too. The focus of every prayer we pray should be focused on God, not ourselves. And so there was this righteousness that they would gain as a result of people seeing them praying in front of other people. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's, that's not, this isn't the time nor the place to be concerned about yourself. And I think it's important to note that when we address God, that's where our focus should be. It should be on the Savior, on God. So those things point us in the direction that Jesus is going. Now, it says there, when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. That was a very common practice for them to, to pray. They would usually stand when they prayed. Matter of fact, you see them over there in front of the wall praying and they're standing. Sometimes they're kneeling or laying prostrate, but usually it's standing. That's how their normal position of prayer is. You know, the synagogues were basically, obviously, the most appropriate place for them to pray. And that's where they would offer up their public prayers and things like that. Uh, it was a place where the Jews worshipped most often, things like that. And so they had a, a very um, common place where they would go and pray. There's nothing wrong with that. It wasn't necessarily even uncommon for them to pray in the streets, as he says there, in the synagogues or on the corners of the streets. That wasn't an uncommon thing. It's not an uncommon thing today over there because when the time comes, because remember, it's all prescribed. So at 3 o'clock, everybody stops. Doesn't matter if you're on the street corner or if you're in a deli or wherever you're at, you've got to you know, drop and pray, basically. That's the, that's the idea. But here, what Jesus is pointing out is people that go to these places specifically with the intention of being seen by the crowd and maybe even working the crowd up as they pray. And the focus is on them. There's nothing wrong with praying at a major intersection. But if you're doing it there just to be seen by the people, then your prayer's all for naught. And see, the Pharisees, they were all concerned about their outer righteousness, so they were all concerned about who was going to see them praying. And that's what he says, that they may be seen by men. That's the, the wrong audience. We shouldn't have to be seen by men in order to pray. That shouldn't be our driving factor. So many times, even in prayer meetings, people, you know, you say, well, you know, why didn't you pray? Well, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable. I could say a wrong word. Who cares? I mean, frankly, you're talking to God. You're not talking to the other people in the prayer circle. See, that's the problem with our prayer meetings. We think we're talking to each other when we go to prayer. So, okay, well, you know, let's bow our head. Well, you know, uh, okay, Lord, I just need to let everybody know. that. And we start talking to the other people, but we're talking like through God. It's the weirdest thing. I've heard people do it all the time. I've done it on occasion. We all do it on occasion. We have to get a little more serious about our prayer time. We have to realize that who are we talking to? You know, are we talking to God? Or are we talking to each other? Are we trying to inform everybody in the group of a need that we have? Why don't we just inform God? And if they feel led to pray, then we can pray. You know, God knows what we need even before we ask anyway, right? So what's the big deal? I remember in the Baptist church, you know, we used to have a Wednesday night prayer meeting or Sunday night prayer meeting, and we'd have like a half hour prayer meeting, 
And probably 25 minutes of it was taking requests. Everybody, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, well, you only got five minutes left. So I'll just bless everybody, okay? Father, we just pray for these requests tonight and let's go. Nobody prayed. They just kind of spouted off what they needed prayer for. And so we need to kind of redefine what prayer is and, and how it should be a factor in our life. And so it's, it's important that we, we, we look at that aspect of it. So we don't want to do it just to be seen by men. In verse 6, he says, but when you pray, and there's nothing wrong with praying publicly, but he says, when you pray, go into this in your room, your inner room, and when you shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay you openly. That's our audience. You know, I remember a worship time that, that I don't even know where it was, but I saw it on the web page somewhere, and, uh, on, the, on the web, and, and they had a web page, and it said, the audience of one. And it was a worship and praise night, and that's what they called it, the audience of one. It wasn't about performing. It wasn't about, you know, seeing who. It's about coming and worshiping before one, and that is God. That should be our attitude when we come to prayer. It's about addressing God for who he is. And it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter whatever. See, that's the neat dynamic about prayer. We all have an open door through Christ to the Heavenly Father through prayer. And the Bible says that we should come before him boldly. We shouldn't be cowering in the corner saying, you know, I'm just kind of shy and I don't know. We should come into the presence of God with a boldness in our heart. And so the idea of prayer is really communion with God. That's what it's about. And he has to be involved in that. If it's just you involved in your prayer, then that's not real biblical prayer, is it? You're just doing it because you feel you got to get something off your chest or you know you express some concern or whatever that's the wrong reason to pray. We should pray because we know that God will provide for our needs. I mean, do you ever think about it? This is something that is not our idea. It's not like, you know, they were Adam and Eve were just sitting around one day and saying, "Hey, let's, you know, let's start praying. We'll start talking to God." No. This is God's idea. God invented prayer. God wants to have communion, fellowship, communication with us. And the more we have it, the stronger our relationship grows. And so it's a simple teaching here. It's not difficult. He just says, you know what? When you pray, you have to have the right attitude in your heart. Don't just do it to be seen in public. And he doesn't forbid public prayer, but it's the attitude of the heart once again. He says, but when you pray, go into your room. It has the idea of a store room or, or even maybe a safe room. You know, there's some houses today, these big executives in their house, they have what they call a safe room. And I mean, this thing is like totally... Uh, safe. You know, they thought of everything, chemical attack, everything. And you, you know, if there's something that happened, nuclear attack, you go to the safe room in their, in your mansion or whatever in your house. Well, th- back then they had similar things. And it was kind of the storeroom, safe room. And that's the idea. You're going to somewhere out of view of the public because you know that prayer is just about you and God. And he says, you know what? If you're, if you have a problem praying in public, go to your, go to your private place. Go to the most secluded private place you could find so you don't have any temptation to show off. Because sometimes, I'm sure you've been in churches, you've been in prayer meetings where you wonder, you know, where people are coming from. You know, you're talking to somebody before the service and, you know, how you doing, Brother Joe? Oh, I'm doing fine. and Everything's great and great, okay. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you see Brother Joe up behind the pulpit and get ready to pray for the offertory. You see this little glean in his eye. And the voice that comes out is not Brother Joe's. I mean, you don't know where this guy got this voice, but, Oh, Heavenly Father, thou... And they start speaking in this King James English. And and it's like they're putting on a performance. And it's like, what in the world is going on? You don't talk that way. Why do you have to pray that way? Do you think that impresses God? Because it doesn't. Do you think maybe you're trying to impress somebody else? Maybe. God's not concerned with that. He's concerned with our heart. See, if we can just get a grasp of that... You know, if we can just kind of understand that, that opens up the door to prayer. All of a sudden you're going, you know what, if God's not concerned, why should I be concerned about, you know, if I'm just sharing my heart with God and he's listening intently to every word I say. 
then he deserves my full attention. So do whatever it takes, Jesus is saying, to get the attention off yourself. It's not about you. So sometimes prayers need to happen in secret, away from God. And sometimes maybe you're the only person in the entire world that knows what you are praying for. Just you and God. That's what he says here. And he also goes on here, and he says, uh, when, when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who is in the secret place, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Same formula that he uses for giving, prayer, and fasting. He just repeats it over and over. Okay? Don't do it just to be seen by men, but when you do it secretly, God will reward you openly. God wants to answer our prayer. Sometimes we think that he's some big Scrooge up there, just, you know, and we've got to beg him and plead him, and then, and then maybe he'll throw us a little, you know, something, you know, just to keep us going. That's not the kind of God we serve. We serve a God who's, who is, is more than willing to open up storehouses of blessing upon us. We'll just ask. The Bible says sometimes we don't have because we what? We ask not. We don't ask. Or we ask amiss. You know, we're praying for that brand new Cadillac, and God's saying, you know, oh, sorry, I, you know, you're not getting a new Cadillac, but... Here's a Buick Regal or whatever. So, I mean, sometimes we have to kind of qualify our motivation and our heart before God as we pray. And if we're just praying for ourselves, we're not praying for others, we're not petitioning God for others, then we need to stop and say, maybe, you know, I'm just a little bit too much about myself here. Maybe I need to stop and, and be a little more God-focused, a little more other, others-focused in my prayer life. Because when, when you do it that way, when you have the right reward, he says he'll reward you openly. See, the neat thing about that is when that happens, what, who sees it? Not only you, but other people see it. What a glorious thing it is to pray for somebody and you tell your friends, hey, yeah, yeah, we're so-and-so sick and we're praying for him. And then you can come back to him and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, they got healed. Praise God. Or you know what? They had a good report at the doctor or whatever it is. Those are all positive things that honor, give honor and glory to God not ourselves. And so that's kind of how prayer should be. Well, let's look at the content of prayer. Because he says there in verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't use meaningless repetition. This is kind of interesting. They fell short on who they were addressing. They were doing it to be seen by men when it should only be God as our focus. But when they, the things that they prayed were just meaningless. That's what the scripture says. They had no substance. They had no significant content whatsoever. He calls them vain repetitions, meaningless repetitions, as the Gentiles or as the pagans do. Now, he, he kind of sing, singles out here this idea of meaningless repetition. And see, in the time in which Jesus lived, and even today, there is a, a practice among a lot of pagan religions that, that basically, and I would say even some branches of Christianity, where this meaningless repetition and that word that he uses there has the idea of idle thoughtless chatter is the greek word batalogeo just it sounds like a in the english language we call them onomatopoeias it's an onomatopoeic word in other words it means kind of mimic a sound like you hear a little kid playing with a car and he's going well that's not a word you know you wouldn't say okay spell for you you know it's not a word it's a sound or an airplane. It's just a, a sound that's representing something. It's meaningless. You can't really spell it out. That's kind of the idea here. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about, and that word even sounds like batalageo, batalageo. You could say that over and over again. Somebody think you're speaking in tongues or something, which is unfortunate, but that's another avenue that this is highlighted today in our Christian uh, faith. If you've ever heard individuals speak in what they call tongues. They think that they're talking to God and, and all that. And, and, you know, Corinthians, we can go through that at another time. But 
it's very interesting. That all, almost all the people I've heard speak in, quote, tongues, is what, what they call it, unknown language. It's very repetitious, and it's, it's, it's the same thing over and over and over again, and it makes no sense to anybody. They're not words. They're just jibber-jabber. That's what they do. And you say, well, isn't that in the Bible? That's, well, it's, in the Bible, it's known as a language. That's what the word means, a known language. It's not some gibberish that you make up. You can't teach somebody to speak in tongues. It's not biblical, but that's what they do. Take you in a little room and they say, just open your mouth and just kind of relax and just let your tongue flow. Just just talk like a baby and, and God will bless that. And that's I've, I've been in, in, in that situation. And, and I know that it's not from God. Well, they had the same problem back then. This vain repetition. They just repeat things over and over and over again. And so they had this kind of meaningless chatter going on. And God's saying, that's not honoring to me. Our prayer should be thought out. Our prayer should be something that we thought about. We don't just, you know, like in the Old Testament, go before Baal and, you know, hear us, hear us, hear us. Or even in the New Testament when they were talking about uh, Demetrius, and the, the silversmiths of Ephesus and all that stuff. They, they cried out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And they did it for two hours, it said, hoping that he would answer. Well, he never did. Even today, many Buddhists, they'll, they'll spin these little wheels that they have prayers on. And they believe that each turn of the wheel sends a prayer to their God. Roman Catholics, they'll light prayer candles. And they believe somehow that that's a, a request that as long as that, prayer, that candle's lit, that, that continually ascends to God repeat, repetitively over and over again. You think of the rosary. When you go through the rosary, you re, what are you doing? You're just repeating the Hail Mary and, and, and Our Father over and over and over and over again. It's meaningless chatter to so many hearts. And I think it falls that way on God's heart as well, on God's ears. So Jesus says, avoid the meaningless, repetitious chatter. He doesn't say avoid repetition. There's nothing wrong with going back to God repeatedly for the same request. See, some people say, oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't ask God twice. No, that's not true. Jesus didn't forbid the repetition of genuine requests. You remember in the parable about the midnight visit of the neighbor, the persistent man, he was praised by Jesus as a model of our persistence before God in Luke 18. He says there in verses, in Luke 18, he says, Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? See, there's nothing wrong with entreating God over and over and over again. Paul asked God three times to take away the thorn in the flesh. Finally, he said, no, deal with it. But he asked him three times. In the Garden of Gethsemane, remember Jesus, he cried out, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but your will. And then he prayed again, and he prayed again. Same thing, basically. So there's nothing wrong with repetition in our prayers, but it, here it has the idea that you're, you're just repeating just gibberish, and you're also doing it just to be seen by people. So you're doing it for the wrong audience, and you're also, you have no content to your prayer. Our content in our prayer should be thought out. That's what he says in, in verse 8. He says, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. See, God doesn't have to be badgered and, and kind of bribed and all that kind of a stuff. He, he knows what we need before we even ask. Martin Luther said this, by our praying, we are instructing ourselves more than we are Him. <laughs> See, the purpose of prayer isn't just just inform or persuade God but it's to come before him sincerely, purposefully, consciously, and devotedly. I mean, sometimes you hear people pray, God, you know, I just please give me more of your love. The Bible says that the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. You're not going to get any more love. God, please, you know, grant me patience, or grant me this, or grant me that, or whatever. And, and you can go to verse after verse after verse where God has already granted that to us. But because we're ignorant, we're asking him for it again. It'd be like handing me a cheeseburger and say, hey, and I say to you, hey, can I have a cheeseburger? 
<laughs> You're going, I just gave you a cheeseburger. Yeah, well, but can I have a cheeseburger? You say, that's ridiculous. But sometimes God gives us things. As a Christian, when we're born again, he gives us certain things. And maybe we're not aware of them or whatever, but then we continue to pray and we pray and we pray for these things. And God's saying, hey, dummy, you already got it. <laughs> just open your eyes. Let me work in your life. So we have to be aware of what we're praying for. Prayer is sharing the needs and burdens and hunger of our hearts before our Heavenly Father, who already knows what we need, but He wants us to ask Him anyway. He wants to hear us. He wants to commune with us more than we ever would with Him. But that's what He wants to do. And to pray in the right manner, in a non-hypocritical way, is to pray with a devout heart and with pure motives. And I think sometimes we don't pray and we don't even ask for prayer because we don't believe in prayer. I mean, we believe in it, but we don't practice it. And so we just feel, well, whatever. God wants us to petition him for things. God wants us to, you know, when we're in need, to let people know to pray. Because when God answers that prayer, who gets the glory? He does. He always repays our sincere devotion with a gracious response. I'll close with this. D.L. Moody once felt so blessed by God in his life that he prayed this prayer, God, stop. Wouldn't you like to get to a point in your prayer life where you're going, God, I can't handle this anymore. Stop. It's too much. You're just blessing me too much, God. Could that happen? Sure it could. If we pray. If we go to him and we ask him, hey, not my will, but your will be done. Make yourself real in my life. Allow my prayers to be in alignment with your will and allow those prayers to come to pass. He could smother us with all sorts of blessings if we just go to him and ask. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we ask that you would uh, teach us how to pray. As, as your disciples asked you, Lord, I pray that we would be a praying people, a praying church. Lord, we've got a long way to go. But Father, I pray that you would uh, teach each one of us what prayer is. That it's, it's not just saying a bunch of words, but it's really communing with you. It's expecting you to work in our lives and expecting to see the blessings of God flow down upon us. Lord, would it be that we could get to the point where we would say, God, stop too much. Lord, we ask that you would minister your word to our hearts. Pray for each person here this morning. If I just ask that if there's one here that doesn't know you, Lord, then I pray that their first prayer would be a prayer of faith, that they would cry out to you and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, help me to Live a life that's honoring, that's glorifying to you. Lord, I know I don't have any righteousness in and of myself. My, my heart's wicked, just like your word says. It's full of sin. And your word says that I need to come to you out of faith, believing that you died on the cross, that you were buried, that you rose on the third day. And you did that for my cover my sin, to, to pay for my sin, because I can't pay for it myself. That's a prayer that God will answer. He will save you out to him and ask you to touch your life. Lord, we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You have been listening to Graceful Truth, the weekly radio program originating from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church, located here in Redwood City. And it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. In fact, we have a special opportunity for you women to join us, and Pastor Steve Converse will be here in just a moment to tell you all about it. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, please give us a call. You can reach us at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. 
You can also visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 2225 Euclid, Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. Your letters, phone calls, emails, they mean a great deal to us. Even more so, uh, join us for worship. Sunday services, again, are at 10 a.m., and details are on our website at gracefultruth.org. If you're not involved in a fellowship at this time, please consider this our official invitation. And now, with another invitation for a conference coming up in October, our teacher and pastor once again. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I'd just like to share some exciting information with the ladies in our listening audience. Ladies, we have a real blessing for you coming up on Saturday, October 2nd, here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We'll be hosting women's speaker and author Cynthia Heald for our Fall Women's Conference. Ladies, you know firsthand how hectic the world can be today and the demands that are placed upon you. And we'd like to give you the opportunity to break away from your routine for just one Saturday morning and come together for some great fellowship and teaching based on God's Word. Won't you plan on being here Saturday, October 2nd from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. for a wonderful time of fellowship and teaching from Cynthia on becoming a woman of simplicity? I'm sure you'll enjoy the time together and walk away with a renewed sense of purpose and commitment to Christ. All the registration information can be found on our church website at www.gracebibleonline.org. Once again, that's gracebibleonline.org. Or you can simply give us a call here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923. Once again, the number is 650-366-9923. We hope to see you in October. Thank you, Steve. And again, that phone number is 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. <laughs>